Yes, indeed, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He is risen. He is alive. Seated in glory. Whatever circumstances are holding you down, whatever situation seems to be dead in your life, as long as Jesus Christ remains your Lord and personal Savior, the God in whom you trust, I'm here today to assure you that you too will rise from that dead situation. A word of prayer. Father of light, let your light lighten every darkness in the life of your children. Lord, as we journey on, we always need your word of encouragement. And we need the empowerment of your spirit. This is the reason for sharing your word with the world. Come, sweet spirit of the living God, and speak through me. Anoint me. And Lord, touch lives through this medium. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. As I said from the beginning, you will rise. You will rise from every death situation in which you find yourself. Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of our souls, our Redeemer, he died. He rose. You may be feeling like you're already dead even though you are alive. But I'm telling you, with all the conviction that I can master, that you will rise. You will arise. The fact is that Jesus died. His death was established. It was confirmed. It was documented as historical fact. In John chapter 19, the verse 30, and then 32 to 33. This is what the Bible says. When Jesus has received the sour wine. When he was on the cross. He said. It is finished. And he bowed his head. And gave up his spirit. In other words he died. Jesus died. Now. I have heard some. Um, people argue. Did God die? No God didn't die. And then the answer is, then Jesus Christ is not God. Let me tell you this. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.5, Consequently, when Jesus Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. So God prepared a body in which he, he released himself, manifested himself as both divine and human. So that body that was prepared in which the Christ manifested lived among us and died. But God didn't die. 1 Timothy 3.16 speaks about the mystery of godliness. The mystery of godliness. So you will arise, beloved brother and sister. You will arise. In the same way as the Father prepared a body for the Son, through the overshadowing presence of the Holy Spirit, the, the, the triune God, not three gods, one God, manifested in, manifested in three forms. The triune God, 
perform this mystery. That same God will perform in your life. Listen, maybe rough, maybe bad, maybe um, you feel like you are walking with your head on the ground and your leg in the air. Well, if that is the reality, in quotes, that you see, then you are already a miracle. Because nobody can walk with his head on the ground and his leg in the air. And if God has been able to sustain you, that same presence, that same father who prepared a body in the womb for his son to dwell and for his spirit to overshadow, will perform the same mysterious work in your life. Now, this is mystery. Now, Luke one thirty five tells us, when the angel came to Mary, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Remember that we just read in Hebrews 10, 5, prophetically saying that you prepared a body for me. Who, who is speaking? Who, who prepared a body? The Father. He prepared it for, for the Son. And then the Holy Spirit, according to the angel, Luke 1, 35, and the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. A man and a woman are not going to relate to produce the child of God or the son of God. But the father has prepared a body. The Holy Spirit will come upon a woman who will carry that body. And so he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. I believe with everything within me that in each phase of our lives as believers in Jesus Christ. Remember that the Lord has said that in this life you will have tribulation. That is guaranteed. The challenges, the disappointments. Jesus has guaranteed that they will come. But the good news is that in the midst of that work, that's why we should be craving for the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives on a daily basis. Because my brother, my sister, if we don't continue to grow in the Spirit or make ourselves more available for the Holy Spirit to indwell us, we cannot stand the pressures. But thank God for the promise. That's why Jesus said, I'm not leaving you alone. I will send you the comforter. If we don't need to be comforted, Jesus will not say, I'll send you the comforter. If we'll never be disappointed, if we'll never share tears, the Bible will not say, God will wipe away our tears. But we need to soldier on. We need to soldier on knowing that the same Jesus Christ who rose from the dead after his brutal murder. And let me tell somebody, I want to repeat for the sake of naysayers that Jesus Christ died. This is documented and historically proven that he died. He did not collapse. He did not go into a coma. He died. He gave up his spirit. Romans 14, 9. For this very reason, let me go there. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, death and resurrection. He died. Let me read it again. Romans 14, verse 9. For this very reason, Christ died 
and return to life so that he might be the Lord for both the dead and the living. He could not have been the Lord of the dead if he never died. Amen? But in order to assert his authority and lordship over his creation, he had to touch both worlds. Glory. And the good news, listen to this one. The good news is that we as believers have become his body. Remember I told you he had a body and I shared with you from the scriptures that body was prepared by the father and that body was introduced into the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit all scripturally proven. That body died on the cross scripturally proven. That body rose from the dead scripturally historically proven. His tomb is still empty. The guy is not there. No bones left over. And I'm saying <laughs> this same Jesus has called us and now we have become his body on earth. Oh glory to the Lamb of God. He fills me. He fills my wife. He fills my children who are believers in Christ. He fills my brothers and sisters and those of you who are listening to me, wherever you are, Christ fills you and by his spirit you become part of his body. Let me go to the scriptures to buttress this point. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. 27. Now you, Paul writing to the Corinthian church, body of believers, Paul wrote, now you are the body of Christ. You cannot go looking for the body of Christ anywhere. The body of Christ is you and I, all believers, wherever they may be, no matter what title we carry, we are all part of the body of Christ because Christ has now filled us with his spirit. The same Holy Spirit that overshadowed Mary and moved upon Mary to bring that child that was prepared by the father that same spirit is not overshadowing us is he has filled us and now lives in us as christ and so each of us become the body of christ so first corinthians 12 27 now you are it doesn't say we are going to become he said we are for you are the body of christ Nothing more, nothing less. You are the body of Christ. And each of you is a part of it. Each of you. So I may be a very, very small part of that body. Maybe a very um, small part of even the nail. It doesn't matter. I'm still part of the body of Christ. 
And that is why I would always say that the kind of work that Jesus Christ by his death and resurrection has wrought for our salvation. It is wrong. It is wrong for us to mortgage our peace and joy, position and authority to one person who holds himself up as if he redeemed us. Come to me and unless I pray for you, blah, 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 blah. Hey, come on. Give me a break. It's all about Jesus, the Christ. No one else deserves that glory. And don't give it to them. Don't worship them. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Ephesians 5.20 For we are members. That word member there means part. P-A-R-T. P-A-R-T. That means we are a part. A portion. For we are members of his body. Of the body of Jesus Christ. We are a part of the body. So nobody can arrogate to himself the, the position and authority of Christ or his representative on earth. And we are outside, outsiders, so to speak. We are part of the body of Christ. How did we become part of the body of Christ? Hebrews 10.10. 10. Let me turn there quickly. Hebrews 10.10. 10. Hebrews 10.10, 10, yes. And by that, and by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Through the body of Jesus Christ, we have been sanctified. In other words, we have been made holy and separated. Praise God. So we did, not, we did not become holy or we did not become part of the body of Christ by bathing with holy water or pouring oil on ourselves. Let me read again. I like the Bible to interpret itself. itself. It makes it very easy. Hebrews 10.10 10. And by that will, determination, by that determination, we have been made holy. How? Through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, who were God's chosen people at that time, who held themselves up as being holy after making animal sacrifices, they held themselves up as having peace with God, reconciliation with God after they have made their animal sacrifices. They held themselves up as being the people of God. For us, for us, we have become what we have become in God, joined us with Christ for only one reason, for only one reason. That's nothing to do with the money we give to the church. That's not anything to do with our tithing. I believe in tithing and I tithe. And I teach tithing because it is biblical. No apologies anyway. But when we talk about our standing in Christ, being part of the body of Christ, there is 
only one way we have come to that place. And that is in Hebrews 10.10. 10. And by that will, let me read again. And by that will, we have been made holy. We, didn't, we, we, we cannot make ourselves holy. We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Hallelujah. Once for all. It's not going to be something that we have to do and do and do and do and do and do. No. Once and for all. There is one thing that is very important. We cannot walk alone and be strong. You cannot cut the body, the body in pieces. And so can I humbly suggest that sometimes because we fight our battles alone, that is why we find it difficult to enjoy the peace and the, and the um, victory that Christ has already won for us on Calvary. And on that note, I want to turn to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 12, verses 12 to 26. You are running elder scatter. Today they said, is here. A new prophet has come. Today they said, you are not rooted in Christ. To such an extent that you can identify other believers who are rooted in Christ. Connect to them and together as a family in Christ. Your corporate prayer interceding for each other. Like James said, confess your sins one to another. Pray for each other and you shall be healed. And you shall be healed. He didn't say run around looking for anybody. You are the body of Christ. F friend, beloved. Let me read. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to do a very, very, uh, some very serious studies regarding Christ and who, what he has done and who we have become in him. In him so that, um, when you are going through crisis, you know where to turn. And you can stand. And I'm saying at this point, our strength as the body of Christ is dependent on the level of our unity. Because if you have, if you have like your body, your, your human body right now, there's no co um, coordination. Every part of your body is doing what it, it likes. You can, you can agree with me that that's going to uh, lead to an ultimate death. You cannot survive. There must be proper coordination. The brain must be sending the right signals. Another part of the body must be responding in cohesion with the brain. And then you have a healthy body, a strong body, a performing body. Even so it is with the things of the spirit. And I work with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 to 26. Here it goes. The body is one unit. It's a unit. Though it is made up of many parts. So, likening it to what we call the church, the body of believers, we are just one unit. 
Each of us is a part of that body. Let me go back. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, no tribalism, no racism there. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. 14, verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the hair should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? 18. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. God has arranged. You cannot make anybody a prophet. You cannot make anybody uh, what God has not made him. Now, I want to read the Bible, and I like the Bible to do his own interpretation. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body. Talking about the church, the body of Christ, the body of believers. It's God who has arranged the parts in the body. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Not just as the prophet or the bishop want them to be. God is the arranger. I know we do a lot of things outside God's divine order. But that, of course, that's why we are having so much charlatans and uh, so much problem in pushing the divine agenda of winning souls into the kingdom because we have we have um, turned the word of God upside down so he says but in fact God has arranged verse 18 the parts of the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part there would be there, there, where would the body be as it is there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. I don't need you. So you see, you may be a man of God. You can't speak so arrogantly as if you don't need part, other parts of the body. Because as for you, you have been called as a special person or especially anointed and given the keys of death and hell and you are not going to die hey wait a minute my friend hold your fire god is on the throne not you the eye cannot say to the hand i don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet i don't need you on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable think Think seriously about that. <laughs> the Bible says that those parts of the body who seems um, weak and 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 actually not um, very special, 
they, they are rather the honorable parts. Let me read that again. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are in, unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor. God has... Let me, let me, let me check this again. So I take the verse 23 again. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body. But what do we see? What do we see? If we are the body of Christ. And the Bible is saying God as giving special honor to those who even are weak and they don't look to us to have titles kind of lit, uh, by my literal interpretation. Um, what do we see? What do we really see? So you see, our weakness cannot be blamed on God. And you and I have to come into a place we have to come back to basics. We have to come back to the word of God and re-examine what God has called us to do. What the death, resurrection, and resurrection of Christ really means. Really means. It is not a marketing commodity. We are not traders. We are preachers. If you love my Jesus, and if you understand the dynamics of evangelism, and if you understand the cost, the price of the cross, it says he has done all this so that we might be one. Hallelujah. So that there should be no division, verse 25, in the body, but that his past should have equal concern for each other. Equal concern. Sometimes what we call our needs are actually um, our competitive desire, our competitive spirit trying to crave for something that somebody has. That the reason we want to have is to prove, prove a point. They are not better than us. And that is very unchristian. And so we have a lot of issues. Even within the context of Christian marriages. There's competition between husband and wife. It's so sad. It's so sad. That we can come to a place where we are claiming, this is mine, this is not yours, this is, this is not mine. That's lack of understanding. Verse 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. This is the church. This is the body of Christ. This is what Jesus Christ died and rose for. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So can I say to somebody under the sound of my voice. Things 
that bring disappointment. Things that sometimes will cause you to feel like life is not worth living. Will come and they do come. But we have a God who has paid the ultimate price for you. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, died. He rose. And I'm telling you that even if the situation which you find yourself today is as if you are dead, I come in the name of the Almighty God to declare to you that you will arise from the ashes. You will arise. You will rise. Job 19.25 I know that my Redeemer lives. But you come to that knowledge that he lives. You see the things I'm speaking up to you about they do not come through education. And so somebody may say well I, I see people on, on social media who don't believe in Jesus and they can quote the Bible and mark this and this and mark that and, they, and they're trying to make a point. They have enough education but no revelation. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between heart knowledge and head knowledge. What they have is head knowledge not heart knowledge. But you as a child of God need to come to that place where you can stand and say I know that my Redeemer lives. I mean, how can you talk me out of believing in Jesus Christ? I know it by revelation. You can't take it away from me. Hebrews 10, 19 to 23 and 35. Quickly. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Hmm. And since we have a great priest over the high house of God, a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full of assurance of faith. Come on. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The water of the word. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful and I can vouch for that that the God I worship is faithful he took me from the downhill I know what it means to suffer and I know how far he has brought me and I can't say without a doubt shadow of doubt that he is who he says he is if you remain faithful there's no way you can lose out on God it will come through for you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Praise God. He is faithful to his promises. Verse 37 of Hebrews 10. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. He will come for you, my dear brother and sister. Verse 38. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Hold on, brother. Hold on, sister. Hold on, sons and daughters of Zion. Your Redeemer liveth, and he will come. He never fails. God bless you. I'm your friend, Pastor Anson Metal. Still on the road for Jesus. Come your way again, God willing, next week with another edition of Bible Platform. Bye for now. Bye.